Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping people get the inside scoops on the life in our church. And uh, today we've got a, a first-time podcaster, but uh, someone who's becoming uh, very familiar in our community real fast, our new Director of Spiritual Practices, Mandy Casper. Mandy, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. Um feels like a lot of us are knowing you better than you know us at this point, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, what the deal with your family is and all that stuff. Sure. Um, well, I'm a mom of three. My kids are, my oldest son, Ryan, is 20. My daughter, Aiden, is 17, and I have an about-to-be 13-year-old, uh, Avery, uh, my youngest son. Uh, Carl and I have been married for just past 23 years now. I grew up in a small town outside of Sarnia uh, with one older brother, but just small family. I didn't grow up in church at all. Uh, that wasn't part of my experience, except when I would maybe go stay with my grandma overnight or something. But uh, I came to faith as a teenager after going through some kind of difficult life experiences. And I just found my world turned upside down by uh, by Jesus, by his church. And that's pretty much been a wild ride every moment since. And uh, knowing that a lot of us had no idea who you were and then all of a sudden see you regularly, how how did you even end up at Southridge first off? Uh, Well, last year, um, my family and I found ourselves in uh, search of a new church, uh, the place where we were before we'd been for a long time. And I've been on staff there as well. And uh, but when it became clear that that season was over and we needed to find a new home, we sort of embarked on a like family discernment journey. Uh, which was tough, but also very, very good. And one of those Sundays, we wound up at Southridge. Not that that was, I mean, that wasn't our first time or my first time by any means at Southridge. I've kind of been a fan from afar for quite a while, uh, but never never had been there with an eye, t- eye towards looking for home. And just that first Sunday, which was at the end of March, I believe it just, like it just fit. It felt like home, even though it wasn't. And the kids were immediately... Like, this is it, right? Like, we're not looking anywhere else anymore. <laughs> um, but it still it still took Carl and I a few months to settle some things. We were in, you know, processes and just trying to make sure that we really were uh, following where God was pulling all of our hearts together. So, uh, yeah, so we I think our first Sunday was the end of March. Uh, but by summer, we were definitively and happily calling it home. So you plug in end of March into the summer of 2019. And... In less than a year, you appear as one of our staff members. <laughs> for everyone wondering how that happens so quickly, uh, describe for us what that process looked like for you. Yeah, well, we're still ha- wondering how it happened so quickly too. So uh, you're not alone. But you know, there was a Sunday towards the end of the summer, and like I said, we'd been through a bit of a rough year, so we were sort of in a healing, recalibrating mode. Uh, so even when we started coming, like we we pretty much hid. Uh, a little bit, but uh, there was a Sunday towards the end of the summer where the bunch of ministries did a pitch up on stage and we're like, hey, if you'd like to get involved somewhere. And we were sort of looking at each other going, I think it's time, like, let's plug in and it's time for this to become real community and real life. So they happened to be having a lunch for the inspiration team that day. And they're like, hey, if you'd like to come, you know, just sit in and listen. And I was like, can I really just come in and sit and listen? And uh, Jeff Martins kind of encouraged me to go ahead and do that. At that lunch, I met Tom Lowen, who said, hey, we should grab coffee. And then a couple weeks later, I was having coffee with him and somehow ended up telling him way more than I intended to about my life and journey. 
And at the end of that, he just invited me, said, would you like to come and volunteer with the programming team meeting? So I started hanging out with them on Tuesday mornings, and which was like in September. And then a month later, they were going as a team to a conference in Nashville and somebody dropped out. I'm not sure whether it was Krauss or, or Jeff Martins or somebody, but somehow someone couldn't go and they had an extra ticket. And Tom just said like, do you want to come? And I was like, trip to Nashville? Sure. Um, and it just was an amazing, it was an amazing experience with the team. It was an amazing experience putting my toes back into ministry and just, it, it was like a real God encounter for me. And at the end of that week, Tom had kind of said, uh, do you want to talk about, you know, what coming on staff could look like here? Would you like to enter that process? And so we did. You were, you were the extra ticket person. <laughs> yeah, I was the consolation prize. A lot of you don't know, but, uh. Around, even before I was being invited on staff, uh, I was the extra ticket at the very first Global Leadership Summit we ever attended. There were Hi. four of us went and uh, Chris Fowler had to bail. He had an extra ticket and so he offered it to me and I went with uh, with Michael and uh, a couple others and, and the rest was kind of history. So yeah. God called you through the extra ticket. I get it. Um, cool story though, like in, in your former church, you were on staff and responsible for the weekend services, which is part of the reason Jeff Martins had encouraged you to attend that meeting. So you were coming with quite a bit of experience in that world. And then similar to a lot of our hires, although a lot quicker, were kind of a promotion from within because you dove in and uh, had started volunteering and trying to add value from a volunteer perspective uh, in our weekend service planning. And uh, when we moved Jeff Martins out of inspiration and promoted Tom, to run the department, we needed to backfill Tom's role with some creative horsepower, uh, some creative programming horsepower. And so uh, mm-hmm. one thing sort of led to another and lo and behold, God used the, uh, the extra ticket. Amazing. Right. I'll take it anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're still deep into this kind of COVID season. Uh, happy Mother's Day, by the way, belated. Thank I know you. this is the day after Mother's Day, but uh you know, we're in the middle of this. So uh, just to get your impressions on this, uh, I know that it was almost two months ago, maybe two months ago to the day, actually, when we first realized that life was about to change drastically and quickly. Um, If you can remember back then, how did you process this? How how did it feel from your perspective? Yeah, I remember it very clearly because um, it it was, I was actually attending my first pre- record session um because i'd never seen the sermon recorded or whatever so we thought oh that'll just be good learning i'll watch Krauss do it on the thursday night when that day i think the world health organization had just declared that this was a pandemic and so we were sort of like it felt so surreal at first you know like i know everything that's happened since then and even in those initial days and weeks seemed like it was happening very quickly but i also felt like i was watching it in slow motion like is this really happening like like what in the world i've never seen anything like this in my life, but, you know, things are closing down. And uh, we went from that, that Thursday night where, hey, I'll just go watch the pre-record to see how it goes. That night, there was a text thread in our programming team going, hey, this might turn into a thing. We should maybe talk about what if they cancel church services, like the gathering of churches for services? What if we have to go online? Let's just talk about what that maybe might look like if it has to come to that. And literally the next morning, we were like, okay, we need to meet at the church at eight o'clock because um, this really looks like it could be happening even this Sunday. 
And so we were revamping this Sunday service, still thinking probably not, but let's do it just to be safe. And by that afternoon, it was absolutely things were canceled and this is how we were going forward. So we went from a very, like this surreal sort of watching this thing happening in the world, not knowing what it is, to having to pivot so quickly to how we were functioning in ministry, how we were uh, delivering the pieces that we had to div- deliver, as well as changing the content actually very soon. So those first few weeks just turned in sort of a whirlwind of, of ministry, trying to figure out how to lead and love people in a totally different format and wondering if it would connect. So I was sort of swept up in that sort of process of, of what was also going on, this very big impact globally as well, but it was, it was ministry whirlwind. Yeah, we, we talked about things changing drastically multiple times a day. Yes. I remember a pastor buddy had described it as, oh, yesterday was so last year. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like a week it just, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like forever ago. Um, hey, at a, at a personal level, like, I mean, this is how you're navigating this as, as part of a programming team, but how were you feeling? What were some of your defaults when you were starting to realize like, whoa, this is actually for real? Well, I think my, um, whenever big things start to shake, whether just on a personal level or bigger community or cultural, or in this case, even a global level, like whenever I see big things start to shake and and sort of rumble, my default is to assume that God is about to do something big and significant as well, even if it's only on an internal level. And I don't mean that to say like, oh, God is, God is causing or the author of crises, just that they tend to um, unearth like a, a, he, he becomes uniquely poised to do something big and we tend to be uniquely poised to be receptive to it. So whenever I see huge big shakeups sort of coming on the horizon, as much as, you know, my knees start to shake a little bit, I also think like, wow, I wonder what God is about to do through this, or I wonder what he wants to do through this. I wonder what the invitation is. And so I, I had the simultaneous, like, what is going on as well as whoa, I wonder what could happen through this that that could lead to, to good things that we don't readily see on the horizon of the crisis, if that yeah, makes the sense. The anxiety, right? The anxiety and curiosity are kind of a an alternating blend. Yeah, but every time I've seen, like you've just, you constantly see God bring so much good out of bad things that I think it, it is becoming part of my natural response to, I see all the bad and, and my mind is geared for that, but I just, he keeps doing good things out of it. And so, or in spite of it or alongside it. So I do start to look for that in anticipation. Mm-hmm. And just so our hearers don't think that you're just processing this cerebrally or theoretically, uh, I know that uh, a few weeks in, to the coronavirus pandemic, uh, this started to actually affect you very personally. So talk about that uh, experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. I talked about, so the first couple of weeks, it was very surreal. My brain was kind of going a million miles an hour, trying to strategize ministry and trying to serve people. And then uh, on a, on a Wednesday night, I got a text from a very close friend of mine. uh, And she just said, Hey, you know, would you mind praying for me? This is not a, not a super church person. Um, Hey, would you mind praying for me? I'm in the hospital. (laughs) And my mind is immediately like, Oh, you're in the hospital with what? And, um, she, it turns out she, she had asthma, um, but otherwise, you know, pretty healthy individual. And she said, yeah, I've been struggling with asthma the last couple of weeks and it just got really bad. And so 
of coming to the hospital and, and will, you, will you pray for me? And, and so we kind of texted back and forth uh, for about an hour that night. And the next morning uh, I heard from uh, her, well, I couldn't get in touch with her and heard from her kids that she'd been put on a ventilator. Uh, she had actually been diagnosed with COVID now. And uh, three days later she was gone. And uh, I actually, it was, <laughs> I got the news just after uh, one of our Sunday morning services that she had passed away that morning. And it, the whole thing just went from this surreal global happening. I'm trying to help navigate as a, you know, leader and a friend and a mom to, uh, I just like, this is real. This is real. I just lost my friend out of the blue, out of nowhere. And so it's been a, it's given me a unique perspective, you know, to kind of go, there's this happening out there in the world. And what that happening is, is, is individuals one at a time. These are beautiful, unique lives uh, that are being impacted and families and that kind of stuff. And so within the space of those few days, it all went from very surreal and big to uh, very real, very raw and close. And uh, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was one of, I think, wasn't she like the second, uh, she was the second pronounced COVID-related uh, death in Niagara? Yeah. 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 Yeah, she was. So, I mean, when, when you haven't even ad adapted to how intense this is, wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember back then that, that that was just, yeah, so, so intense and yeah, which, obviously heartbreaking for their family. Right. And maybe reevaluate, right? All the words we're saying and all those kind of things. And it, not that it changed anything, but it, it, it was such a, it just sunk to such a deeper place in my heart the, and the rawness with which yeah. we're trying to steward this because this is what it is, right? Yeah, and and I mean for those listening, uh, if you tuned in last week, uh, you would have heard the story of Colin and Mandy Peters, uh, young family in our church with a uh, little boy and now a brand new baby. Who, uh, in the very early stages, uh, Colin was one of the first cases uh, of COVID in Niagara, and uh, shared in our our podcast how he navigated that, and it it. Uh, I guess I would just want to wrap this up. I know we could talk about this forever, but um, to help our listeners realize that we're not in this COVID season, we're not playing church. No. Like church members are testing positive, right? Church leaders are losing friends and, you know, other church leaders have spouses and friends and whatever fighting on the front lines of this. Like this is very real and the services that we design aren't just shows that we want people to watch. Uh, we're really hoping that they can add real, personal, practical value to people who are ravaged through this right now in real ways. Absolutely, yeah. I'm going to shift gears then and talk a little bit about your, your role and your contribution to that. I know that uh, you and I had actually recorded a podcast that was intended to roll out during the Working Out Our Faith series. But since we scrapped that series and we converted it into a Working Out Our Faith home edition series, we're, we're re-recording that. So take two. Uh, yep. Yeah, this is the take two. Clearly, God wasn't satisfied with the first, the first draft. <laughs> I'm not sure it's gone up from there. So, you know, maybe. Well, I'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Um, the, the whole idea of this series, Mandy, is to equip people and inspire what we call a practice-based faith, a practice-based faith. So for starters, uh, walk us through what we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual practices. Your job title actually is the director 
of spiritual practices. So let's start at the very beginning. What are spiritual practices? Yeah, because it can sound like such a strange what's the context for that sort of phrase. But I mean, spiritual practices are basically just, they're just relationship practices with Jesus. You know, they're the activities and the exercises that we engage in uh, that sort of open up our hearts and our spirits that help us to be more in tune with the, the presence and the power of the spirit of God in our lives. Because I mean, it should be the deepest, most real relationship that we have, our relationship with Christ, with God. And yet oftentimes we're like, but he's invisible. How do I go about that relationship? That's all that spiritual practices are. They're learning to live uh, in that separate sort of zone where, where God is more rich and more real and making that a regular practice or part of our lives. And why would you say then that they're so critical? Why do we need them if, you know, God's there and available and interested in relating to us and we have access to him all the time. What's the, what's the value of spiritual practices then? Yeah. Well, on, on one level, I would almost say like, same as if we treated any of the relationships in our, in our life like that, right? If I want, well, Carl and I are married and like, you know, he's got the science certificate and I, I show up at the house every day and you know, that kind of stuff, but you don't engage in actual relationship together that's growing and that's responding to each other's needs and even interacting with each other like that, that thing is going to go so fast. So in some ways it's, it's just that it's the showing up for a growing relationship that you believe um, is central to our lives, central to everything. And I'd also say that without engaging in spiritual practices, you know, we, especially the longer, the longer we've spent in church, you know, we can end up having a faith that's entirely in our heads and never makes it like to our guts, never makes it, you know, in our bones or in our heart or however you want to say, like that deeper place where, um, where it's actually changing the kind of people that we are. So like, the, like knowing about God is very different than knowing God. And it's mm-hmm. meant to be an experiential relationship of knowing one another that leads to transformation from the inside out. So when we don't do anything actively to engage in that kind of relationship on a regular basis, um, then not only do we simply not have the experience of that, you have no idea what you're missing, but like when storms come, when, when the difficulties of life are just challenges, we get knocked off kilter so fast, right? Like we know we lose our footing. We don't know which way's up. We can't find our center. don't know how to figure out what's true and what's not because we've built up a habit of being in communion with God and learning to hear him and learning how to talk to him, that kind of stuff. And I just think the more that we engage in them, the better we become at learning how to lean into God. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, that changes so, everything. Yeah. And just so people uh, can appreciate, um, while these are activities and engagements that we as people do, uh, they're, they're not, it, it, this isn't a man-made concept in, in that sense. I, I, I anchor sort of my, my logic when it comes to a practice-based faith in the teachings of Jesus in John 15 where he says, first of all, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing at all. And, and you know, the point, the, the point number one is that the Christian life is actually Jesus' life to live in and through us. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's differentiator number one. This is actually accessing the life of God within us. But in that passage, Jesus says, because you have to stay connected to the vine as the branches in order to receive my life. He says, abide in me. Do conscious things that will remain connected intimately and, and personally with me. And so the, the, the obvious question then is, if the Christian life is Jesus' life lived through me and my responsibility is to abide, 
practically speaking, how do I do that? Right. And that's where Brother Lawrence uh, is often quoted as describing the, the behavior of abiding, as he calls it, practicing the presence of God. And so these spiritual practices then become these access points to connect us consciously and, and actively to the presence and life and activity of God so that he can engage in his transforming work within us from the, from the inside out. And so as human as this may feel, uh, this, in my mind, comes straight from the teaching of Jesus in the way a relationship with God is intended to work. Yeah. And that's important. The distinction, even that you make that it like the practicing the presence of God, uh, like sinking into that relationship with him so that he can transform us, which is different than, Oh, I'm going to like rehearse good, good deeds. Like it's not a list of good deeds to do. It's, it's all about learning to sink into that presence. Like, you yeah, said. it's like not that. a list of tasks to accomplish for some spiritual reward. Yeah, it's a sequence of activities to engage in, to experiment with, and ultimately experience the presence of God in your life to a greater degree. Yeah. So uh, I know that we're launching into now describing a number of these in this series, and so some of these we're already going to be familiar with. But walk us through just some some of kind of the bedrock common spiritual practices. Right. Well, there, I mean, there are the classics everybody always thinks of, right? Well, prayer we talk about as, um, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we say prayer like it's one category, but there are a hundred different ways to pray, um, at least. So, but, but prayer being one of them, worship, uh, meditation, service, solitude, uh, celebration, fasting is one we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, all kinds of classics, you know, sort of practices like that. But spiritual practices are, are all about the orientation of your heart like where you're pointing your attention and your affection. So I also love, like, I love the outside of the box spiritual practices because whatever you're doing, you know, are you looking for God while you do it? Like, are you trying to close out the noise and focus on him alone? Because then like, if that's sort of the framework for it, then gardening can become like a meaningful spiritual practice to you. Like if that's where you're going to go and meet with God and talk to God, that kind of thing, painting, writing music, engaging the arts, things like that. Yeah, nature uh, walk, nature yeah. walk or motorcycle ride down the parkway, you know, where your, your primary purpose is looking for and listening for God. Like that could be a powerful spiritual practice. So I, I hate when people think it's like, it's all about just going to a dark room, you know, close your eyes, fold your hands and, um, that, that could be part of it, but, but it's so much more than that. Like there's mm. so many ways to encounter and experience God. And, uh, so I'm, I'm a fan of the classics and I'm also a fan of out of the box everyday moments and experience that experiences that reclaim the orientation of our hearts. You, uh, you, in that list, you talked about motorcycle riding that <laughs> seemed to not come out of left field. Well, so, I, I hear people uh, I say, that. Yeah. Right? Do, do, do you have some examples in your own life? Sure. I hate uh, gardening when, and I love yeah, motorcycle riding. How's that? <laughs> right. Um, you know, at a personal level, though, how, how have you, in some practical ways, experienced uh, through your engagement in spiritual practices a, a, a greater degree of the presence and activity of God in, in your life? Yeah. I, um, I, I mentioned sort of last year was kind of a, it was a hard year for me. It was a recalibration year. And I found myself uh, 
needing to sink into and depend on spiritual practices in sort of a depth that I had never, or, or quantity, I suppose, that I had never um, experienced before, just, just refining my center and refining my footing. And so one of, one of the biggest ones for me, and I, maybe it feels boring because it's one of the classics, you know, but, but like worship music, like, like finding um, songs where it feels like other people have put the words, when I can't find the words, someone else has found the words to pray and they've put them to music. And so that's always, that's been, it's probably my number one go-to uh, where I find God. And uh, over this last year, I have spent hours and hours uh, in, you know, in worship music, that kind of thing. And I had an experience recently where I thought, cause I, so I would build different playlists at different times, like songs, whether I hear it in a Sunday service or somewhere, it doesn't even actually have to be a quote unquote worship song, but some song that's moved me that I feel like God is talking through this and I need to hear what he's saying. Uh, and so I build playlists of it. And then I would revisit those playlists, whether I'm going for a walk in the morning, whether I'm going for a ride on the parkway, uh, I just kind of sink into those moments. And so I've built playlists throughout the last year. And I threw one of the playlists from last year on uh, a few weeks ago. And it, it just all of a sudden struck me that the, uh, the posture of my heart was totally different in it, or maybe posture isn't the right word. But whereas last year, I was singing these songs as like a desperate plea, like, like, please, God, make this true. <laughs> like, I don't quite feel it, but I want to feel it. I don't quite believe it, but I want to believe it. And so I'm going to sing these words out. And it was like pushing through uh, some kind of wall that I felt would never move. And so then when I threw the that song list again, again on again recently, sorry, I like like I was I was singing those from a totally different mindset. Like I was singing mm -hmm. them in believing it, in knowing that it was true. And I just went, oh, my gosh, look, my heart just moved from one place to another. And it was one of those things where I thought, oh, that's so I felt so weak and silly last year, having to spend so much time just alone with God singing songs. I thought, what in the world is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And that's, yet to know something changed that I thought would never change. And yeah, just then again, I go, this is why I will not give up on it. <laughs> like It's just returning again and again and again to the place where you're finding God and trusting that he's going to do something internally that you're unable to do on your own. I believe in that so much. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Um, knowing that you are not just playing a role now as part of our inspiration team, helping design and facilitate our kind of dry run spiritual practices in our weekend services, because you know the series that we wanted to have on viewing our gatherings as a spiritual gymnasium is intended to <laughs> help people experiment with these practices ultimately so that we can implement them and engage with them at home. Right. Well, now we're now now we're pole vaulting over that program and trying to you know promote the lifestyle directly, and so our services now are trying to get right to the uh, at home engagement. Um, what are you hoping for, both in the design of these spiritual practices and as a person helping facilitate them in a lot of our online weekend services these days? What are you hoping for in this modified series called Working Out Our Faith Home Edition? Right. Well, I consider that like all of my goals for the year are accomplished because like my deepest desire would be that people would be practicing like the presence of God, the experience of of their spirituality at home in their regular lives. So, you know, like I can just put a check mark now because that's the only place I'm <laughs> glad to practice it. Um, but yeah, my 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 deepest desire would be 
that we would all continue to be open to new ways of encountering God, that we would stretch beyond maybe what we're used to or what we're comfortable to with, or even the experience that we've known so far, that we would just, just be open to stretching a little bit more beyond that and seeing what God can do in that space. And so now that we're at home and I mean, we're at home practicing these things in for many people, a season of greater difficulty than they're used to, right? Like all kinds of, you know, invitations to um, struggle, like they're rampant in this season. So this is a high challenge season. But again, like I said at the beginning, I, I believe very much that that also opens up high opportunity. And so my desire would just be that we would continue, like just engage in these things at home together with our families. I love that we're doing it together as a community as well. Even the fact that we tune in uh, many of us at the same time for either the the morning or the evening service right now. At first, I think I underestimated the power of that, but it feels like it matters. It, just that we would give ourselves to practicing like that and continue to experiment with different ways that we connect with God. Because you don't always know things. There are things that naturally connect with you, and that's great. You should lean into them. But there are also ones that are a little bit outside your comfort zone. There might be like a huge opportunity there to experience a different side of God that you wouldn't have naturally if you hadn't pushed yourself. So my desire, my hope, my greatest hope is that we are designing things that connect, hopefully, but we do our best. It's very weird to be delivering and facilitating these disconnected physically from each other, but we do our best to prayerfully think about what are people experiencing right now? What might help bridge that gap between where they're at and, and where God wants them to be to where they want to be and to hope we're designing experiences in that, that work together in a small service format. And then you could take and expand so much more in your one-on-one time with God. Yeah. It's such an interesting season where for the most part, I know over the years, when it comes to engaging in a practice-based faith, uh, you know, you kind of get two responses. One is I don't have time for this. And one is why would I bother kind of, I don't need this. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, to your point, all of us need more of God these days mm-hmm. to center us, to anchor us for his peace, for his comfort, for his guidance, for, you know, mm-hmm. all of us, I, I think it's more obvious now that uh, for all of us, or at least for, for many of us, you know, our, our need for God is more palpable. Even my friends and neighbors who are outside of the church, their curiosity, their need for God is more uh, palpable and, and obvious as well. So, yeah. you know, the need is far greater and gang, there's no excuse now because we've got time, <laughs> you know, yeah. whether it's, you know, people finding themselves unemployed or in isolation and, you know, being forced to quarantine or, or physically distance or, you know, extracurriculars in school are canceled. And I, I know that, you know, sometimes working from home with kids at home and whatever, our lives can still get crazy. And some of us are still battling this war on the front lines for sure. Mm-hmm. But in general, uh, our lives have been simplified and we have space to experiment with this. So, you know, I would, I would echo your encouragement, Mandy, to, to try this kind of stuff and to do it. My, my encouragement would be to do it with a posture of experimentation. The whole yeah. reason the series is eight or nine weeks is to give people a bit of variety to try stuff and see what works and what doesn't. And there's nothing, you know, overly spiritual or unspiritual in not really tracking with certain practices, but finding a couple or even one that is a real access point for you to, to discover and experience God. Yeah. 
Um, we're kind of running out of time here. So uh, as we wrap up, Mandy, any final encouragements or challenges to our members when it comes to not just making the most of this series, but ultimately experiencing the lifestyle that we're hoping it drives and engaging in a practice-based faith? Yeah, I guess I would say um, just don't don't fear the big waves when they come in your world, in your life. Uh, trust that no matter where they're coming from, that God has incredible power to be able to bring gold out of really hot fires, you know, even when the fires, uh, you know, burn pretty, pretty hard. And um, just to sort of train your mindset to, to see like it when there's, when there's change coming and when there's things shifting, whether or not you think you want them to shift, there's unique opportunity to meet God in that place like you've never met him before. When things are happening like they've never happened before, uh, you can experience and meet God in different ways like you never have, uh, never have before. And, and then just like be absolutely relentless in figuring out how to forge a deeply experiential life with God for yourself. Like you were just saying, like figure out which practices help you connect best. Like how do you talk best to God? How do you hear best from him? What what connects you, um, the you know, with the most impact personally? And then to also keep trying the new ones because you never know where, might, uh, where a new door might open up. Uh, but then either way, for both of those realms, like practice them deeply and daily and just let your life be turned upside down and inside out by the love of... Uh, by the love of God for you. You'll never be the same and your world will never be the same for it either. Fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing. And uh, gang, I hope as you're listening, you have a better window into the behind the scenes heart of this person who's become real familiar real fast uh, <laughs> across our community through this online version of our of our weekend services. There's more under the hood there than just a facilitator of practices. There's a person who, especially in the last year and even more especially in this COVID season, has been really leaning into them themselves and wants God's best for you. That's why she's doing this and ultimately why uh, we're doing this as a staff team. So, uh, Mandy, thanks for joining us. And to all of you, thanks uh, for tracking again this week. Uh, we'll see you in another seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone. <music>